Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. But I want to get into this this morning. Um, last week we talked about when Jesus was talking about the whole idea of judgment. And he was talking about dealing with the, the big log or the big piece of wood in your eye before you try to really see, is the word he used, perceive, perceive that peace in someone else's eye. How many know it's so easy sometimes to go through life and go, yeah, yeah, I can see what's wrong with them. Come on, wives. <laughs> that was your opportunity. But we can all do that, can't we? We have this, this predisposition sometimes to call other people out on their issues, but it's usually because we have our own. And if we're focused on someone else's stuff, we don't have to view our stuff. Come on. And that's how it goes. So I wanted to really talk about, not that again, but as a springboard today, this idea of letting go. Say, letting go. Please don't sing this song from Frozen. But I know you were thinking it. But it's just, even when I put the title down, I'm like, there's going to be people going, let it go. See, I did it. I couldn't help it. And I can't even sing. But, but letting things go. You know, as I was thinking about this idea of letting go, how many have ever heard of forgiveness? Anyone? Well, it's because forgiveness is a central point in Christianity, right? I mean, anyone who's aware of Christianity or, you know, Christian theology would most likely agree with this statement that forgiveness is just a foundational thing. Love and forgiveness is something that, that we really would believe is part of Christianity. The Christians walk in forgiveness, or, or at least they should, Right? I mean, even you as a follower of Jesus probably know, you know, I should probably walk in forgiveness. But here's the thing. Even though we may know that, that Christian theology is all about forgiveness, it doesn't mean that we either understand it or that we're even doing it. And, and this isn't, you know, you know me, you know my heart. If you've been here for any amount of time, I'm not about preaching condemnation, pointing fingers at people. I speak from a place of both experience and growing. So when I share things with you, it's things that I've experienced or I'm experiencing and things that I'm continuing to grow in. And this whole forgiveness thing is not the easiest thing to do. See, just knowing about forgiveness isn't necessarily understanding forgiveness. There's a big difference between knowing, oh, yeah, that exists, and understanding what it is. And experiencing forgiveness can be complicated. And I'll be completely open and transparent and honest with you. I don't think I even understand the depth of forgiveness. In all my years of life, which for some of you is like, I'm still a spring chicken. My knees don't always tell me I am. But, but in all my experiences in life, there's times where I still think, man, do I really understand forgiveness? Do I understand this forgiveness that Jesus has given us an example of, do you know Jesus said to forgive others as I have forgiven you? And we can hear that quoted. We can read that in scripture. But sometimes I'm like, do I really know what that means? To be completely forgiving? To actually get to a place where I've already forgiven someone before they've offended me? Let's not raise our hands on that one. Because we're all growing in this, right? And so... You know, I know that I have struggles with forgiveness. I've talked to people throughout my years of, of life and, and counseling and being a pastor and, you know, about this idea of forgiveness and others struggle with forgiveness at times. And many times it's difficult. Why is it difficult? Why is it so difficult at times to forgive? Because we've been hurt for real, right? We've been wounded for real. We've been betrayed for real, for some of you, you've been abused for real, whether it's physical abuse, whether it's mental abuse. Sometimes, even in churches, it's spiritual abuse. It's people who use their authority to control you and manipulate you. Mm. Nothing makes me more mad than that. So when real things happen, say it's real. It's about to get real. That's why forgiveness is hard. Because it's one thing to hear a story or read something in the Bible or hear a testimony, but where the rubber hits the road is when you've been offended, when someone really has done you wrong. 
and you're like, ah, Jesus, I don't know how I could do this. Forgive as you have forgiven us. That's a really tough thing. And so again, when these real things happen, just because we know that Christian theology and Christian spirituality is about forgiving and about forgiveness, I believe that experiencing it, actually walking it out is very, very difficult. Now, as you look through scripture, you can see that forgiveness really, what I see through it all, and Tom, back me up on this or not, it's, it's this complete foundation of love and forgiveness. That's what we see all through Scripture, even the Old Testament. But one thing that I've noticed in the Old Testament or Old Covenant is that forgiveness is not talked about as, as an interpersonal thing as much as it is a national forgiveness. So you have God, who's the parent, and then you have the child, who is this wayward nation. And so God forgives a nation, you see this over and over in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. It's about this reattaching or this reestablishing relationship through forgiveness more in a national way. Does that make sense? It's, it's not that there aren't stories that kind of maybe hint toward in, that interpersonal forgiveness, that one-on-one thing, but it's nothing like the New Testament. See, when we get into the New Testament, when you start to look at how Jesus talks about forgiveness... And I get excited about this. It's all about personal relationship. It's like God gets personal. I was going over this this morning. And, you know, how many have noticed this, that that God speaks to us kind of how we would speak, how we would hear? And I literally was like, look at my notes. I'm like, man, God, you got personal. It's like I felt Holy Spirit said, yeah, Andrew, it's about to get personal. What? In a good way, son. I'm like, okay, okay. Because it's about personal relationship. But even that personal relationship moves into an idea of personal forgiveness. I do believe that the body of Christ is community. And so we need to have more of that community-driven life. But there is this, this model that Jesus introduces about God as a father, and it's a whole different scenario. Uh, I heard my friend Jake say this, and I love this. He said, we need to get away from this place where we see God as a judge in a courtroom, and we see God as a father in the living room. It makes a big difference. Because how many have ever been to court, like for a traffic ticket? I mean, even a traffic ticket. You walk in there, you're like, oh, my gosh, man. It's like you know, every law and order show and everything else comes to mind. But it's not a very comfortable position, is it? I mean, you're standing... Down here and up there is the judge or the magistrate, and, and you're trying to, you know, plead your case on your side. See, so many times we preach God in this way. And then we make Jesus the guy who's trying to stand in between us and God. He's like, you know, the good brother who's trying to keep us from the abusive father. I'm just trying to be real this morning because I've even been there. I've even preached this way. But I began to see that it's not about a judge in a courtroom. It's about a father in a living room. It's a whole different atmosphere when a child comes into the living room and a loving father sitting there in that big arm back chair and you jump up in their lap and you talk about life. You talk about your day. You talk about show and tell and what you did at school. Some people can say, man, you make this so elementary. Sometimes we need to because it's, it's so big and it's so, listen, I'm not diminishing the greatness of God. I can't. It's God. We were, we were traveling here this morning, and the sun was blasting my eyeballs out because I didn't have sunglasses. It was wonderful. I'm like, God, is that you? I felt like Paul on the road to Damascus. But, I, you know, I'm not very good at, like, keeping facts and stuff. So I was like, okay, how far is the sun away from the earth? And Ethan's like, like 90 million miles. I'm like, well, he pulled that out of his anyway. And I'm like, okay, so she looks it up. It's like 91 point something. I'm like, dude, you were really close, right? 91 million miles away, and that sun, so bright, and just the way it was piercing through in the heat, and I thought, isn't that crazy that something would be that far away, and it can cause cancer and skin damage? I mean, that's nuts. These are the things I think about, and then I, (laughs) well, because my wife's a licensed esthetician, so yeah, put this on your face. Okay, honey, whatever you say. 
But I, I, you know, and there's moments where I start to think about how vast things are. And so Kristen pops over in her phone and we start to think, you know, she looks at the solar system and all these different things. And I start to go, oh my gosh. I'm like, this is amazing. I mean, the God who created this is just absolutely astounding. It's amazing. I say all that because I don't know what else to say. No, I say all that to tell you that I, would, I could never diminish how great God is. But here's the beauty to me. God is that big and yet lives within me. God is that vast, that extraordinary, but yet has personal relationship with me. A tiny speck. No, actually, we're teeny tiny specks on a tiny speck called the earth. Think about that. You're like, we don't want to. Well, just do it anyway because I told you to. No, but when you think about it like that, and then to think about that teeny tiny speck that we are that has billions, trillions, I don't know, DNA strands and atoms, and then you get into string theory and you lose me, but I'm thinking this is amazing. I'm a masterpiece, and God loves me, and he desires a relationship for me. So you begin to see these things, and I understand people's heart when they, listen, I have pastor friends who try to put the fear of God in people, and I just explain to them, hey, that's not me. I'd rather put the love of God in people because that's what changes hearts. Not saying that they're wrong. Not, I mean, I'm not saying they're not called, but I'm going to stay in my lane. People say, here's that preacher talks about love. Yeah, that's God is love. And every single characteristic and attribute comes through love, including judgment, including discipline. It all comes through love. Big difference. I'm all over the place today, Bruce. Pray for me. And so we see that God, through Jesus, really is introducing us to this personal relationship, this personal forgiveness. In fact, all of the New Testament writers say the same thing. This is a very personal forgiveness between God and humans and between brothers and sisters. How many know that we're all connected? The Apostle Paul was preaching this awesome message on Mars Hill to all these Greeks. And he says this. This is just, this, when I first read this and then I realized what it meant in the Greek, it blew my mind. We are all the offspring of God. He wasn't talking to believers in Jerusalem. He was talking to Greeks. We are all offspring of God. Then he says this, in him, in who? God, we live, move, and have our being. That'll, that'll rock your world right there. So to me, what I see is there's a connection. Some people don't see it yet. You have to awaken to the connection. That's where faith comes in. I trust. I believe that I'm from the family of God. That's why Paul talks in this language. We can see it's orphan language. Orphans have a family. How many of those people don't just show up in the planet by accident? The orphans in an orphanage aren't just, oh, do you have a mom and dad? No, well, they do. They just don't know who the mom and dad are. Come on. I'm trying to get you to think this morning. So forgiveness is one of those things that's well known. We understand, I mean, we don't quite understand maybe, but we know it's something in Scripture. But here's the thing. What is it and how do you do it? Let me add this. Why should we forgive? I mean, come on, I've asked that question before. Why should I forgive that person? See, it's not an easy answer, to be honest, as to what forgiveness is or, you know, why we need to do it or how we get there. There's such a fine line in the process. And, and this is what I found, that it's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, it could be so easy to just open some scriptures as a pastor and, and tell you exactly what this says and that says and this is how you should do it. But I realized something that forgiveness, I believe, manifests and works in so many different ways depending on, you know, who you are, the amount of hurt you experienced. And so I believe that God works within those boundaries of our own life, where we are. You know, some of you ex have experienced abuse and pain that maybe I never have. And so there's, there's, a, there's a difference there 
to how you forgive. Do, do you, are you following me here? I'm just saying that it's not a one-size-fits-all, and it's so easy. It's so much easier to just preach scriptures at people and tell them, you need to do this. Have a great Sunday. Do your best. Do you know what's harder? It's just being honest with you and sometimes saying, even as a pastor, I don't know everything. I don't understand everything. But I have confidence in God. I have confidence that he's made me who I'm supposed to be. Come on. So it's not always easy. But here's the thing that I do know. I'm confident in this. The one experience, the one common experience for all of us is that we can't go through life without being hurt. Wow, that's great, Pastor. Thank you so much. I'm so encouraged this morning. But it's the truth. And here's the thing. All of us have been hurt in a way that maybe we're holding on to something or someone and it's hard to let go. As soon as I said that, there's, there's many of you who instantly something or someone popped into your head. How do I know? Because I have the same experiences. And so if, if Jesus says to forgive as I have forgiven you, then we must be able to, but maybe it's a journey of growth and maturity to get to that place. So the experience is common to all of us. That's what I want us to see. Now, Pastor, how can you say that? Because Jesus said this in Luke 17, verse 1. He says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. So don't blame me. You can blame Jesus. He says, it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him from whom they come. This is funny. Even when I was reading this scripture yesterday, I thought, man, I used to love that second part. Because I'm thinking, yeah, that's right, man. It's impossible that no offense. I'm going to get offended someday, but woe to him from whom they come, right? We see those woes, and we feel like, ooh, this is my vindicating moment. So I was okay to get all up in their face and cuss them out, because woe to you. But that's not what it's saying. I love this in the Mirror Bible. Here's how he translates, but woe to him through whom they come. It is always a shameful thing that those of influence would lead others astray. Whoa. Because usually someone who offends us, they have some influence in their life. And I love what he says here because it actually humanizes the person. Because I start to go, oh man, now I got to think this through. Are they lashing out and hurting me because of their own pain and hurt? And then you have to actually make them into human beings with feelings and dreams and emotions. No, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to take the humanity out of them because then I can just be mad. I can cuss them out. I can tell everyone else about them. But when they become a human who deals with things just like I do, uh-oh. Because how many know that we want to be forgiven? Don't be offended. I'm preaching at myself this morning, so this probably isn't for any of you. So Jesus doesn't candy coat this impossibility of offense, or I'd like to say this trap of bitterness, hurt, and resentment. What's interesting is the word here, offense, in the Greek is the word scandalon, and it literally refers to the trigger of a trap. Have you ever seen those, those bear traps? Why do those bear traps, why are they always in these like end-of-the-world apocalyptic movies where someone's trying to get away from a zombie or something, and they step on one of these stinking traps, you know, with the big teeth, psh, you're like, come on. Didn't that happen to the kid in, uh, was it Quiet Place 2? And you had to be quiet. Has anyone watched movies here? Am I the only heathen? Has anyone seen that? Ushers, write down who was watching movies. But they're trying to run away. Right, right, Gene? You saw it. So they're trying to run away from, uh, well, run away and be quiet because these creatures couldn't see what they could hear really well. But the sun steps on one of those bear traps and, psh, and when it hits, it's such a great moment. You've got to see the movie. I'm telling you right now. Because you're trying to be quiet while your son's trying to cry out. It was just amazing. Anyway, we're going to watch that before the Super Bowl today. Maybe during the Super Bowl. It depends on who's winning. <laughs> but have you seen those traps? Jesus is literally saying, listen, it's impossible that an offense won't come. You're going to have a chance. But that offense is the trigger for a trap. Don't give in to it. Don't step on it. 
you have to become aware of what's going on around you. And I would say this, that most of us, we, we know that harboring unforgiveness is not medically or scientifically or spiritually healthy, right? I mean, most of us would say that. We know that it raises heart rates. We know it brings stress and anxiety, that it can lead to an early death. Listen, have you ever met a bitter, 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 bitter person? Have you ever met a bitter person? <laughs> Couldn't even get the word bitter out of my mouth. It just permeates everything they say and do. And when I see that, I'm in a place where I don't judge. I just go, man, what kind of hurt is going on with them? They have not let it go. They have not released this thing in their life. But again, knowing that forgiveness is important to our faith and knowing that forgiveness is good for our health doesn't mean we understand how it works. And so many of us, you know, we hold on to resentment and pain. And here's the thing. It becomes self-torture. What's crazy, and I've realized this in my life, there's some people who have offended me, and I realize later, they, didn't, they don't even know that they offended me. And so for me to sit there and dwell on it and fester in it, it's not doing any damage to them. But, man, it's causing torture for my soul. Oh, man, like you can't even hear that person's name. And God forbid they have a common name. If their name's Sam, by the way, there's no Sams that offended me. But if their name's Sam and someone just says, let's go to Sam's, you start getting offended. Because it brings that person. Hey, that was good. That was Holy Spirit. That wasn't even my notes. That was great. And so we hold on to this. It becomes self-torturing. And it keeps us trapped in the past. Come on, how many, how many have been there? You're trapped in the past in this thing that's happened. But here's the thing. It also keeps you trapped in the present with your present thoughts about it. And what's unfortunate is that it even creates a very rigid, narrow future for us because everything that we see is through that jaded lens. Life is constantly having to forgive someone. That's just what it's about. Just living life is this constant confrontation of Will I forgive or not forgive? So last week we talked about the importance of doing the inner work of releasing judgment, right? When you focus on the faults of others, you're totally missing what's going on within you. This is what I want us to see. Because transformation never comes from an external focus on other people and their problems and their issues. Transformation always comes when work is done internally, this is the personal internal thing. You follow me? And this goes for forgiveness. It's a journey of the inner work to arrive at a place where we can say, you know what, my relationship with you or this person is more important than my right to hold on to unforgiveness. Now, of course, that's, that maybe is in a relationship that, that isn't abusive or a relationship where you want reconciliation, where both people see that. But I would go as far as to say whether that person, because let me say this, if you're in a toxic relationship, an abusive relationship, you need to remove yourself from that relationship. Love doesn't say you can abuse me because I just love you. Mm -mm. But we still can forgive as we separate. Does that make sense? And so even in those moments, we can choose to say my relationship with that thing that happened or my relationship even with myself and my inner working and healing is much more important than holding on to this unforgiveness in my life. Come on. But again, we say this all the time. It's a journey. We're all on a journey. And guess what? It takes time. And let me say this. I don't want to go too long today, but I want to address this. That sometimes our own Christian teaching, listen to me. Sometimes our own Christian teaching can hurt us when it comes to this forgiveness because we make it a very rigid understanding of forgiveness. Like I said earlier, it's like there's a one-size-fits-all. Or like, man, just, just pray the hurt and pain away. Just pray it away. Listen, sometimes it's deeper than that. Not that we shouldn't pray. Paul says to pray without ceasing. 
right? He says, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, through prayer and petition, what do we do? We give thanks to God. We have communication with God. Why? Well, because at that point, the peace that transcends all understanding, it's that God peace, right? It guards our heart and mind. So prayer is certainly important. But here's the thing. When we feel like, okay, if I pray hard enough and I have enough faith and I really, really mean it and God hears me this time, then instantly all the pain will go away. You've just set yourself up for failure or at least what you see as a failure. That's not how it works. And it actually can backfire, causing us more guilt and shame because we feel like, did I have enough faith? Man, I must be a lousy Christian because I don't feel like I've forgiven that person or that thing. But I've told plenty of people this, just like love, Forgiveness isn't a feeling. Forgiveness is an action. It's just something we do, whether we feel it or not. Some people wait to forgive because I want to make sure. And I understand. Like for me, it's like I want to be intentional about this. I want to, if, when, I, when I forgive, I want to make sure I'm really forgiving them. Well, good luck. <laughs> because it's a practice. And we're going to talk about that. It's a practice. It's something that we have to do sometimes over and over and over again. And so maybe we sink to this place where we think, well, maybe I don't truly believe because I still feel the feelings of hurt and pain and betrayal and rejection. But that's just how human emotions work. Listen, I know we're, you know, we hear this all the time. Don't be led by what you feel. Yeah, that's true. But you still feel the feelings. See, being led by what you feel is reacting to the situation Versus what Jesus calls us to do, and that's respond to the situation out of our true selves. And so what I want to do today is I just want to talk about three practices for letting go. Say three. Say he's not going to keep us too long. It's only three. Number one, practice releasing those who have hurt you. Practice releasing those who have hurt you. This is a practice. Have you ever realized how addictive it is to hold on to someone or something that has caused you hurt or pain? I mean, at least maybe I'm the only one, but it's so easy because there's something about this energy when we're offended and we have unforgiveness. It, it I can't explain it other than it's like a drug. It's almost like a rush or a high. Now, listen, I'll be completely honest with you. I've had times where I wasn't so mature, at least four weeks ago, where I get that from my dad. That's his little joke. But, but I've had times where things were, were, the unforgiveness was so strong in my heart that I literally was in someone's face, cussing them out, telling them what's up, Tell them, like, I should put you in the hospital right now. I'm just being honest. I mean, you're like, peaceful Pastor Andy? Oh, man, I was an angry person. God's done a work in my life. And so there's, in those moments, I'm just being honest, you almost feel like, I think it's because it legitimizes the hurt. It almost feels like you're vindicating the pain that someone has caused on you. And so, you know, whether you're someone who's confrontational, just gets in people's faces and tells them what's up, or maybe even just gets physical about it, or you're someone who just thinks about it all day, seething with anger over it, or maybe you're like some of us, we just tell everyone else about that person, but not that person. Either way, there's these moments where it feels so good to the emotions. I'm just being honest. It feels good. But see, here's the thing. Just like a drug, a drug is fleeting. It's got a rush. It's got a high. But eventually, in the long term, it's detrimental to your health. And so to try to live on that high and that energy, it's not good. Jesus said it's impossible that offense won't come. It's impossible. It's going to come. But listen, I know you better than you know yourself. So I want you to get to a place where you begin to come, become more aware I want you to see what's going on in your feelings and your emotions in these moments. Because I don't want you to give in to this, 
this fleeting rush or this fleeting high, letting it just go all out, just letting your emotions go free. Because eventually, this leads to long-term health issues, whether it's physical or mental. It's not healthy for us. And so there's several ways that we can release someone. And one way is this, and we talked about this last week. And I just said it, actually. It's become more aware. It's important that we're more aware of how we feel. See, I said it before. I mean, people say, you know, we're not to be led by what we feel, Pastor. No, I get that. But, but we need to be aware of the feelings. Because if we're not, that's just immaturity. And then what happens is we just lash out rather than dealing with the internal and saying, and this is the cool thing about it, you don't have to deal with it alone. You got Jesus with you. Jesus, the, the, the chief physician. I was going to say musician. That was David, right? The chief physician, the healer. He's there desiring to heal you. But listen, love never forces itself on anyone. So it has to be this openness to say, okay, I receive this. See, the process of forgiving comes from a place of vulnerability. It's this openness saying, okay, I do have issues. But, but here's the thing. We need to be more aware of how we feel rather than fixating on the thoughts you have of someone else or something else. And so it's in these moments, I'm trying to help you, when you start to feel those feelings and you think about the true abuse, the true pain, the things that just didn't work out in life. Listen, feel the feelings, but then realize, okay, I'm becoming aware of this. Jesus, I need your help. I want to release forgiveness. I want to let this go. It's not magic. It's a practice. What did I say? Number one, practice releasing those who have hurt you. I've had way too many conversations with people over the years who say, man, I'm just really trying to forgive my family member. I'm just really trying. I felt this way too. I'm trying to do it. Okay, well, it's a practice. One for, it's not one and done. Forgiveness is a process, right? It's a practice. And so becoming more aware of the internal work versus the external thing or the faults of someone else or what they've done to you is what begins to transform your life. True forgiveness is releasing the hurt from within. It's an internal work. Jesus says, continue in verse 3 of Luke 17, he says, Take heed to yourselves. I love these first four words. Say them with me. Take heed to yourselves. Say it one more time. Take heed to yourselves. Did Jesus say, take heed to the other person who offended you? Oh, come on, Jesus. That's what I wanted to do. Jesus says, no, uh uh It's impossible. The defense won't come. Don't step on that trigger. Don't get caught in the trap. Take heed to yourselves. Become more aware of where you are. What do you feel right now? What's going on inside you? Look at this. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Say, rebuke him. Hold on to that because I'm going to give you a better translation of that. Of course you are, Pastor Andy. Rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Verse 4, and if he sins against you seven times in a day. Has this happened to anyone here? Maybe you got that one kid who's just crazy, right? But still, like seven times in a day? If he sins against you seven times a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, man, the sixth time. No, the third time I'd be like, dude, no, you're not really sorry because you just did it again. He says, you shall what? Forgive him. Look at this in the mirror translation. He says, mirrored in your own eyes. That's, that's how he translates, take heed to yourselves. That's so cool. Look at this. This is so cool about rebuke. Remind your brother of his value whenever he sins against you. <laughs> That hit me. And the moment he awakens to it, forgiveness is realized. Now, this is powerful. See, the word here, I can't even see it. Thank you, Jesus. But the word in the Greek here is epitomao. It's traditionally translated as rebuke. Here's what it means. It's from the word epi, which means continual influence upon. And the word tamao, which means to prize, to value. 
to hold dear, to revere, to honor, to warn by instruction. See, I don't like that because that rebuke thing seems so much better to me, man. I like that English translation. I'm going to rebuke thee. And I've done plenty of rebukes in people's faces feeling vindicated because even Scripture tells me to rebuke you, brother. Are you sorry? Come on. Now, what's interesting in Matthew's account of Jesus' words here, it's a different context. He says, if your brother acts wrongly towards you, go and point out his fault in private. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. It's relational. Sometimes we just feel vindicated. We get that high when we just tell people what's up and what they've done to us. And so we're so in the midst of that. Our true goal isn't reconciliation. Our true goal isn't relational. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 4 in the mirror translation, even if it happens that your brother sins against you seven times on a specific day, and then returns to you each time, saying, I realign my thoughts with you, then too, you should repeatedly restore him to his true I amness. Isn't that awesome? Now, the expression here, seven times a day, it just suggests habitually, like make this a lifestyle, right? Do it over and over. And this is crazy. In Matthew 18, when Jesus is talking about this, he says, even if he sins 70 times seven, What it means is beyond calculation, there's no number. So mathematicians, don't get your calculators out. This isn't about, okay, is it 490? I did it right. 490 times and then you're done. No, it's saying there's no calculation. And what's really wild, Matthew doesn't bring the condition if he repents or if he returns into the equation ever. And I did some digging into this. You know, there's scholars that believe that in Luke, a copyist may have added this to make it more conditional in typical law language. So they don't even, they're saying, I don't even know if that, if he repents, then forgive him was in there. It was just forgive him. Well, it makes sense. If we forgive like Jesus forgives, Jesus walked about his whole life saying, your sins are forgiven you. I didn't even ask. I know, that's what I do. (laughs) So number one, practice releasing those who have hurt you. Let's get right to number two. Practice releasing yourself from self-blame. Come on. You know, I've realized in life, punishing yourself doesn't make you better. And sometimes, I don't know, for some reason, we think, I'm better for this man. I mean, you think of some of these saints who obviously didn't understand, who would literally whip themselves to pay penance. There's nowhere in Scripture that God says, whip yourself, I feel better about you now. Practice releasing yourself from self-blame. Here's the thing, it doesn't make you better, it keeps you in a prison of guilt and shame. And then you're just in this place where you feel unworthy. In fact, it accentuates your inadequacies, real or imagined. You start to go, man, I don't measure up. So one way to move through this, listen to me, is to take responsibility. Feel the feelings, realize what you've done, and be able to go, you know what? I did that. I said that. I can own that. Easier said than done, right? Because what is the, the normal reaction? Well, well I, did, I didn't mean it like that. Well, no, 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 what you don't understand, it's excuses. It's ways out. Why? Because we feel, we already maybe feel insecure. We already maybe feel less than. And so we're like, well, they're trying to keep more on me. So we get trapped in this, this way of thinking, if I just, it didn't really happen. That wasn't really what I meant. That's going to do you better. But how many have walked away from a, a confrontation like that and you felt worse about yourself? Because deep in your heart of hearts, you know when you've offended someone. And so it keeps you in this, this prison of guilt and pain and shame. So one way is just take responsibility. I did that. I said that. I own that. See, when we do this, it begins to help us release ourselves from self-blame. And then secondly, I want you to hear this close because you may not hear this from every pastor around here. After taking responsibility, you need to give yourself love and care. You have to give yourself love and care. Okay, pastor, here we go. 
I knew at some point that you were into this whole, like, can you just stick with theology? Okay, what does Jesus say in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. How many would agree with that? It's beautiful. Verse 39, and the second is like it. Oh, wait a minute. What do you mean like it? Like the first, the first and greatest. Okay, so it must be important. What is it? Love your neighbor. How many know it doesn't stop there? What's it say? You can't say that. It's not about loving yourself. Jesus said it right here. Love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, if you can't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. This isn't some crazy new age psychology. This is Jesus. Are you reading this with me? Love your neighbor as yourself. You have to love yourself in order to love your neighbor. 1 John 4.19, John tells us we love because he first loved us. Everything is initiated from God. God says, I love you, and I give you the ability to love. Start with yourself. Come on. And then he says this. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What? Yeah, love. Love's the ultimate thing. But Jesus is telling you, you must love yourself. Jesus taught about self-love. Now listen, self-love is not about narcissism. I'm not talking about the, the TikToker and Instagram person who can't seem to hear and see enough of themselves. That's not self-love anyway. That's someone who feels inadequate. They feel like they don't measure up. They have issues and insecurities, and so they present something to be bigger than it is. Come on. It's not about narcissism, but it's about attachment to self. It's understanding, it's compassion, and it's awareness of self. It's healthy, and it's necessary. Again, I said this last week. Jesus is not teaching theology here. Theology is the study of God. This is not about God. This is about us and the way we think. In modern terms, we call it psyche. Jesus is teaching healthy psychology. 2,000 years before we really were catching on to this stuff. It's so cool. Like, you know, I'll, I'll be watching Brene Brown or some other just really good people who talk about, you know, uh, who's the other one? Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf talking about our brain and our brain activity and the thought process and how shame and guilt, you know, can go against us and how we can create new neural pathways and all these things. And I'm going, Jesus already knew this. Why? He's our creator. And he's saying, you guys, you have to have self-love and self-care. It starts there. Isn't that beautiful? So it's time to release yourself from self-blame. If you're here this morning, if you're watching this, and you've been blaming yourself and you've been kicking yourself, listen, I've got to this place, and you can ask my wife, when, when I screw up, there's a point where I go, okay, I'm done kicking myself now. Now I'm going to love myself, and I'm going to see, and I'm going to become more aware, and I'm going to move to the next place in this level of maturity. We have to get there. We're not excusing what we've done, but listen, to just beat yourself up over and over for, for months, for years, for decades is not helping you. It's not healthy. There's no shame with seeking therapy, says the angel from the left side of the congregation. I agree with you. Therapy does wonders. So number one, we got to practice releasing others, right, from what they've done to us. Number two, practice releasing yourself from self-blame. And number three, see, number three, see, he's almost done. Thank you, Jesus. Practice releasing life. Practice releasing life. Now, I'm not saying, like, I give you life. I'm saying things in life that have offended you. Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Listen to me. Life happens. People happen. Situations happen. Stuff happens. Or the way I like to say it is, stuff happens. 
right? It says, if Jesus was forgiving life in all that happens, there wasn't one person that day that Jesus had to forgive. He had to forgive this major circumstance that was happening in his life. Now, he went willingly to the cross. We know this. But I don't think he was like, yay, this is going to be so fun. I mean, he felt like we did, emotions. And I can't imagine the pain. I mean, listen, I've gone through some stuff, but I've never hung on a cross. I've never been whipped to the place where there's like no skin left. And in the midst of this, and then he says, forgive as I've forgiven you. Help me, Jesus, help me. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. See, we experience this, don't we? Dreams that don't come true. All those efforts toward our goal, and there's no success. There's people that we believed in and we've hoped in, and they don't meet our expectations. They don't come through. <laughs> there's something that we thought would bring us happiness, and it didn't work out. Hopes and dreams that never happened. See, we're talking about learning to forgive, or maybe a better word is release those people or things that have failed us. See, too many times I put people in a place and I had expectations of them and they failed my expectations. And so if I were honest, that offended me. It could even be a friend. And it's not that I was like, you know, festering, and, but something was there. Something can be tainted if I wasn't careful. And I have to learn to go, you know what? This isn't their fault. Sometimes life happens. I need to release these things just like Jesus did on the cross. Jesus had an utter acceptance of what was going on, the situation and what had been done to him, and he was able to release it. Now, listen, I'm not saying that it's fair. I'm saying that releasing someone, yourself, or life is healthy. I never said fair. I said healthy. I'm preaching to myself. And I believe that Jesus on the cross was inviting us to participate in the same life posture. Forgive as I have forgiven you. See, we get to grow with Jesus in wisdom and empathy. We get to grow in maturity and self-care and self-love. We get to learn how to become more aware of what I'm feeling right now. Yes, there's an offense. Jesus says it's impossible. So I can't go through life without an offense. There it is. I recognize it. Okay, Andrew, how are you feeling in this moment? Okay, let's process this. Don't react to it because the reaction is never going to be good in the midst of those moments. How do I respond to it from my true self? The only way is to trust in Jesus. Say, Holy Spirit, you're showing me who I truly am. I trust you in this moment. I release that person. I release that thing that just didn't work out. I release myself for not meeting my own expectations. You follow me? So practice releasing those who have hurt you. Practice releasing yourself from self-blame. And practice releasing life. Those things that just happen that sometimes no one had control of. We just need to release those things. And I want to finish with this statement. Practicing is not a one-time thing. If you only have to do something once, it's not a practice. Will you stand with me? Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, there's someone that I need to release. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, I need to release myself from some hurt and pain, some things that I just know I screwed up in, I messed up in, I didn't do right. I need to not be blaming myself and, and beating myself up anymore. I need to release that. Maybe there's just something in life that didn't work out. Maybe you expected to get that promotion at work and it didn't work out. Maybe you expected for that house mortgage to go through and it didn't. And now you're like, what do I do next? I mean, we go through these situations in life. But sometimes we need to stop, become aware of what am I feeling right now? Where am I? Holy Spirit, show me that hurt. Show me that pain. Show me that offense and bring healing to my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we first of all thank you for your love. We can only love because you first loved us. You are always the initiator in life. 
And so we receive that love. And through that love, we can begin to love ourselves and in turn love others. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you're already working on hearts right now. If there's anyone here, just close your eyes for a moment, not for religious reasons, but just just to be in a place of, of thought. Maybe there's a person, maybe there's a thing you need to release in your life. And I believe that Holy Spirit is working on you right now saying, listen, let's let this go. It's going to do you more good than harm. So say this with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have my best interest in mind. Holy Spirit, I hear your voice. And I see that thing. I see that person. I see that situation. And I choose to release it. I forgive them. I forgive that situation. And Jesus, I receive your healing in this area. Holy Spirit, I pray that even later today or tomorrow or the next day, as those things begin to maybe bubble up again, that we just stop, we become aware, and we release it. We stop, we become aware, and we release it. We thank you for your healing in our lives. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Everyone said, amen. Isn't God awesome? For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.